My name is Nick Flower, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specializes in behavior therapy. And I'm Lauren McLean, and I am a therapist who specializes in behavioral therapy as well. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. This is a podcast about real life through the lens of behavioral psychology and applying the lessons of clinical psychology into everyday issues. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we are going to talk about habits and motivation for behavior change. Um, So let's just jump right in. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hi, Lauren. How are you? Good. Good. Happy Wednesday. This is a good topic because it's one of my favorite topics. Yeah, mine too. I love talking about it. I think being um, OCD and anxiety therapist, we're always thinking about how to get people to do things differently. And um, right understanding the role of habit is, you know, one of the keys to success. Um, Totally agree. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Let's jump right in. So I think before we're going to talk to people about, you know, changing our behavior, changing our habits, we have to kind of go through some like assumptions uh, through the lens that we're looking through. So the first big assumption that I am always thinking hundred percent, I don't ever question is that behavior change is possible. Uh, I always think that people are capable for things way beyond what they give themselves credit for, that they are capable of learning new things, doing things different, growth, learning, change, adjustment, all of those things. Um, so that, I'd say that's kind of like my my baseline. I have some things I could add on later, but Nick, what, what comes up for you? Yeah, uh, let's... For- uh, for God's sake, let's hope that that's the therapist's assumption is that that uh, ho- the change is possible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Um, yeah. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> uh, you know, but no, absolutely. I think change is possible. That is definitely an assumption that we are making. Um, you know, what's that based out of? I think we talked about this uh, when we were kind of thinking about this next topic. Uh, well, this was last week we were talking um, that, that that's, where does that come from? Our assumption that change is possible, because so often when we talk to uh, our, our patients, they they don't think it's possible, or if they do, there's there's not a lot of hope there. You know what I mean? So we, um, God, where does it come from in us? You know, I don't know if that's, uh, I mean, that's a, probably a deeper question that we have time to get into, but uh, but well, what if, what's it for you? Like, what what informs that? What makes you think that behavior change is possible? Right. Um, you know, I've heard in, in the most cynical way, I've heard patients tell me sometimes, you're just saying that because I'm, I'm paying you or something. Um, and it's, no, I don't think that's it. Um, you know, I don't know. For me, I, well, one obvious answer is that I've been doing this for a little bit of time and I have anecdotal uh, evidence and actually more than that. I mean, I'm not doing research, but I have a lot of evidence that this does work, uh, that through the work that I do with people, um, if we make small incremental changes, uh, sometimes bigger, but sometimes smaller, uh, that if there is that steady drumbeat progress towards the, the end goal, that people do get better. Um, so there's evidence to support this. Uh, anecdotal from my perspective uh, when I'm working with patients, but also loads of research on the effectiveness of, of behavior therapy and cognitive therapy. So, um, so that gives me hope. You know, uh, That's certainly a part of it for me. Uh, what about you? Well, yeah, I mean, like we see it work all the time, right? So, right, you know, right. this is what we do for a living. So yeah. I know it's possible because I've seen plenty of people get better. 
Um, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, there's loads of clinical research. I think that, um, I mean, I think of all the psychological uh, models. I mean, doesn't this one have the best outcomes is behavioral psychology? Uh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. And now the, behavior change the, and... the, the crit that's right. The criticism about that, though, is that uh, it, it, it is also like cognitive behavioral therapy in particular is the theoretical orientation that lends itself uh, to being studied empirically better than the others. Uh, that said, True. the data is still there. You know what I mean? It, it's still, you know, because uh, with, with psychodynamic therapy, for example, you can't you can't really measure transference reactions and empirically study that as well as you can this other stuff. But. Sure. Yeah. OK. Touche. Touche. Good point. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think that like it's based on, you know, I see it a lot, but people will always, you know, people will say, well, what if I can't change and how do you know change is possible? And my answer is mm -hmm. always people quit smoking, people get drink, uh, quit drinking, you know, people get right. sober, people change their lives, people come out of poverty, you know, like, you know, over, you know, the lifespan, like we, you know, in history, we have seen many, many, many examples of people can change sure. and people overcome. The question is, well, can I change? You know? Yeah. And what I would say to that is, you know, it's always worth it to try. It's, it's always worth it to try and let's yeah. do our best and let's see what happens. And everybody has limitations and we only need to honor real limitations. Sure. Right. We're all, what do you mean by that, though? What well, do you mean we're by all that? working with what we're working with. And, yeah. um, you know, what I don't know what my IQ is, but whatever it is, it is. And it's yeah. it may, I don't think it's going to get higher. Right. I don't think IQ works that way. <laughs> like I'm I'm five, six, whether I like it or not. Like I'm never going to dunk like that's just what it is in, in my life. But I can wear heels if I want, and I can really work mm -hmm. on jumping. So I don't have to just be like, I will always be five six, and there's nothing I can like. If I really wanted to play basketball, I can work on my jump shot. You know, like there's, but the five six is an actual limitation. But it's not. You no, know, there are real limitations, and there are perceived limitations, and we need to get clear on the difference between the two. Um, and I think in terms of behavior change, you know, nobody has a crystal ball. I don't know you know, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, but it's worth trying and it's worth seeing what your limitations are and it's worth seeing what growth is possible. I like that. Um, the height thing is always my joke. I'm always like, you know, I have my limitations. I'm only six one, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but you, you, you've seen me recently, you know, that's not true. So, um, but, uh, but one thing I say, so I like what you said there about, um, you know, working with what we got, I think that's important to recognize people come from all different backgrounds and advantages and disadvantages. And, you know, we respect that and understand that. Um, so um, the, the thing I wanted to remember to say, though, is when because you were cheerleading there for a minute, you were sort of uh, role modeling what you might say in a session uh, very briefly there. And uh, and I, I view that as cheerleading is as, as, as like, a, uh, you know, cheering them on. Like, hey, let's do this possible. Let's do this, you know? And and so often when we see people, well, this is what I say, you know, they come in and, well, it's change possible for me. I don't really think it is. And I'm like, I don't expect you to say that. I don't expect you to come in here with hope. You know, that's part of why <laughs> you're coming in here, you know, because you're suffering from depression, for example, you know, where, where a dynamic of that is hopelessness. And, um, you know, so I don't expect the person with OCD, for example, to imagine a life 
where they don't have to use as much sanitizer as they're using to open up door handles or do the things that they want to do. I don't expect them to feel that way because they've been doing this for so long, you know? So of course, so I kind of, I kind of let that put that right on the table in the beginning so that they say, Oh, you know what I mean? So I'm just, I guess, empathizing with them. Of course you're hopeless. I get that. You know, you've been going this way for a long time and here I am saying change is possible. Now it's true though, that if somebody is coming into your office, they're likely saying, okay, maybe there's something that can happen. And that's what we got to mind. That's what we got to keep pushing for. You know what I mean? And that's the cheerleading piece that we do as therapists. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And that's a really valid point, you know? Um, yeah, it's always worth it to try. Um, but the thing that I would add, and I feel very strongly about this is that suffering is optional. You know, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't, you know, guarantee that somebody's going to get better. But if you don't try, you will continue to suffer. And suffering is a choice and it's optional. And, you know, pushing and trying goes towards growth. And going towards growth, there's some hopefulness in that. And there's some possibility in that. And, you know, there's capacity for change. There's no capacity for change if you're if you're rigid and stuck in, I can't, and I won't, and I don't. So choosing to not suffer and choosing to try opens the door for change. So we talk about behavioral therapy and I think this is, this is the interesting piece because all the things that you were referencing there are cognitive in nature. You know what I mean? If you're choosing, like when you say suffering is optional, mm-hmm. man, that that's going to strike a lot of people who listen to this as, wait a minute, you know, suffering is optional. You know what I mean? Like that's a, I think that and for many people, they see it as a controversial statement. Oh, um, okay. Well, let me, let me so? clarify. Pain is what not optional. Op- pain is a guarantee of life. Everybody has pain in life, even the queen of England, right. right? Everybody has pain, but you do not have to suffer because you have pain. Hmm. Right. So it's not um, about avoiding pain. It's about coping with pain so you don't suffer. Well, exactly. It's a, but that, that's what I mean about that being a cognitive shift, that that's a thinking shift. Yes. It is to say, I accept this and I'm still going to move forward anyway, even though I'm having this life experience. You know what I mean? Even though this is hard. And we're often asking people, and that's a very mindfulness, I think, act approach. You know what I mean? Where you're saying... I accept that this is happening to me. I always say like, you know, if I had an accident tomorrow and I lost one of my arms, you know, um, I, I, I have, I have a couple choices here. Um, I could bemoan the fact that I only have one arm for the rest of my life and, and keep my focus on wishing that I had both arms. Um, that's misery. You know what I mean? That's not accepting. That's, you know, an event has occurred to me, which is what wasn't a great one because it ended up in me losing an arm. But um, I, to get, to get over that or to, or to, um, uh, to move forward with that, I, I have to, I have to accept that that's that my new life. I, I accept that that's a cognitive shift, you know, and the, and the people that are able to make that shift uh, are, are not suffering the loss of that arm. They have accepted it. Exactly. Yeah. But so tell me about, so yes, cognitive shift, but what about a behavioral shift? What if you can't get there cognitively? You know, what are you going to add about the behavioral? Sounded like that's where you were going. Well, okay. No, it was. And I think, um, 
if, if I could loosely describe the, the history of cognitive therapy or what the cognitive therapists are trying to do and then what the behavioral therapists are trying to do, you know, the cognitive therapists are saying, you know, you can, you can think differently. You could realize that some of your thought patterns are distorted and you could challenge them and you could feel differently if you engage in that activity of thinking about your thinking. Um, and the behavioral therapists are, are saying, well, okay, you know, let's act differently. And if you act differently, that will pull along the way that you think about things and cha change your perspective. And I think both, I think both are true. And I think both have to be operating on the same time. So when I'm asking, when I'm doing work with people, whether it's depression or anxiety, or whatever, I'm combining these two approaches, which is by the way, why they got married, CBT, <laughs> got married to each other because it was a good union. You know what I mean? Sure. And, it, and, and you kind of need both of that. So it's not, it's not one or it's, it's both. And is that the same? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think that, you know, back to our assumptions, behavior change is possible. So that is a cognitive statement. And if you are cognitively not there, that behavior change is possible, you won't try and then it won't happen. So right. like the behavioral strategy is try the new behavior. And then mm -hmm. find out whether or not it's possible, you know, right. um, and that's how we kind of bring it together. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's our kind of like baseline right there of, you know, whether or not you believe it's possible or not, or maybe you just trust your therapist enough to follow along, then great. Let's start there and let's see what's possible. Yeah. And we're asking people to have grit and take risks. You know, that's what this is about, too. And, and, and how many times have I asked people to do behavioral experiments? You know, let's see. Let's check it out. Let's try. Let's test that hypothesis out. And that takes bravery. That takes guts. That takes grit and determination, you know, um, to try the things that I'm asking people to try in therapy, you know. Um, and I, I, I always make sure to mention that because that gets lost. And, of course, when people hear that, everyone kind of get, hopefully gets a boost out of, oh, that's a brave thing you did. Someone has to reflect, yeah, I guess it was. You know what I mean? I, I was scared to try that, and this is a scary thing for me, but you know, I had the grit, and I tried it, and lo and behold, uh, it, it didn't work out as I expected it would uh, in terms of a fear-based one, or uh, it worked out way better than I thought it would. You know, the things I hear most often with people in therapy for OCD is, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, exactly. Every time you say that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And every time you're surprised by it. So I just think that the piece about grit and bravery is important too. Well, and let's loop back to habit. If you are not in the habit of like taking risks, you know, channeling bravery, like, you know, trying to like focus on that resilience and growth and things like that, it's very easy to stay in your lane and stay in tunnel vision. And mm -hmm. you just get out of the habit of essentially growth. And that's the thing that we are pushing for. And I do want to right. point out, like, you know, with CBT, like, you don't have to be, you know, profoundly suffering with your mental health to benefit from CBT. If you want to grow personally, professionally in your relationship, you know, athletically, whatever, there's benefit in doing this too. And just kind of understanding these principles and moving it towards essentially growth, resilience, very, very great. Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, and that's, I think, maybe a good segue to the second piece of what we want to talk about is like the concept of greasing the wheels. Uh, do you think it's a good time to get into yeah, that? Yeah, go for it. Lead us off. Okay. Well, let me think. What do I want to say about this? Hmm. Hmm. This is a, this is a favorite discussion of mine. 
Um, you know, when we're talking about making a behavior change, and like you said, this goes for what we do in therapy, but also, I don't know, going to the gym, um, eating differently, being on your phone less, um, spending more time with your kids, whatever. Um, you know, you have to prepare your environment for success. I'm a huge proponent of that. Um, I always, I always joke, um, that, well, wait, let me, I just, I just, I'm going to stop my joke. I just, cause I've been interrupted by a better thing to say. Um, so don't forget um, to come back to the joke, but go on. <laughs> that's not really, it's not really like a joke. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, I'm reading a new book, uh, that you recommended to me. Uh, by B.J. Fogg, I think is his name, mm -hmm. called Tiny Habits. And I really like how he breaks this down um, in terms of a recipe or uh, almost a prescription for change. Um, and he, he, he kind of seems to be divorcing it from judgment. So many people have negative judgments about if I did or didn't do a behavior. And I always thought that was, uh, you know, unhelpful um, because it's distorted thinking. We could talk about the cognitive piece there, but, um, it's also really unhelpful and demotivating. And so, uh, he breaks it down into, you know, behavior equals, I think it's uh, prompt ability and, um, what's the other one? Motivation. That's the one, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the one, that's the one. Um, and so often people rely too much on motivation to, to, achieve the change that they're wanting to make, you know? And so then if they don't like, well, the thing I was going to say before, it's not a joke, but I just use a personal example. If I want to drink more water throughout the day, well, I need to be, I need to have uh, the ability to do that. I need to have um, the motivation to do that. And I need to have a prompt. And so I'll bring it into the screen here. Here's my cup of water that I keep right next to me. Now, this is a silly small example, but it, it is, a, it is, it, it, it represents um, the, the process here. Okay, so I have a water fountain that I bought last year that I really like. Um, I fixed the beeping, by the way. Okay. Yeah, was a, yeah. um, but anyway, uh, so, so I, have, I have the environment set up for me to make the change. The motivation is high, the prompt is here, it's my cup, and the ability is here as well. And so that's a small thing. Um, another recent example is I have all these and these shredded, these papers to shred, like next to my desk, like a pile of them. And, you know, I have a shredder, but the shredder was all the way at the end of the office. And I never went in there other than pass it to get my lunch. Okay, well, this stupid thing sat here for like a year, you know, and there, it's a locked office and everything. Okay, so, um, but I had like stuff. Anyway, the point is, is I got rid of it when I moved the shredder right next to my office. Now it's an empty floor. It's beautiful. I'm not tripping over papers that I should have shredded a long time ago. So I mo I moved the, I made some small changes in my environment and I achieved the change that I want to. Now, if I was being down on myself and say, I just, mu I must not want to shred the papers or I must not want to drink this water because I must not be motivated enough. And then I could crap on myself, you know, for not having enough motivation, but that's, that's wrong. It's inaccurate and it's not helpful. Absolutely. So, um, I think that we, we need to think about these things differently, whether it's working out or drinking water, or, you know, if, if you're in treatment for depression or anxiety, those similar things, you know, um, anyway, uh, I've gone on enough. No, about that. that's a, it's think? such a good point. It's so easy to fall into, uh, magnifying your failures. What have you not done? What do you want to do? Um, right. and like that 
is not motivating. There is nothing motivating about like, what the hell is the matter with me that I can't shred Mm -hmm. these darn papers? Like that is not going to make you want to get the shredder and to go do it. Right. Right. And whether it's eating healthy or working out or getting your paperwork done on time or cleaning your house or whatever it is, focusing on what you are doing that you do not like is not towards change. It's just not. Right. So you really want to think about what is the problem? How do you set yourself up for success? So you're actually likely to do the problem like that Mm -hmm. example of moving the shredder is like perfect. You know, I would say like another example would be like buy a new water bottle and a really big one, you know, and like what you 64 ounces a day, buy a 32 ounce water bottle, fill it up twice. Mm -hmm. Boom. Now all of a Mm -hmm. sudden I'm carrying around a water bottle and there's my cue all the time. So thinking about how can you, what is it that I want? What's it going to take to get me to get there? Um, So setting up your environment for success, but then also what motivates me? Um, Like, why is it important for you to drink water? Reminding yourself of that. You know, we'll talk more about that in the next part when we talk about like how to actually happen, but know yourself well enough to know what motivates you. That's part of setting yourself up for success. Um, did I freeze? Am I still here? Yeah, you're here. Can you? Okay, good. Yeah. Um, can I give Can I give you another example briefly? Great, um, do it. So this is something a little bit more difficult. Another behavior change I'm trying to do. Okay. So I had a, a an argument with my wife um, a couple days ago, um, where um, I, I'm yelling too much at my kids lately. Okay, and and I want to do that less. Um, you know, I'm like being short with them and actually speaking to them sometimes in a way, uh, that I would not like to be talked to, you know what I mean? Like, uh, what the example that came up was I was talking with my wife and the kids interrupted and I kind of snapped and I said, no, no, we're talking, we're talking, you know, it was like very cold, you know? And, um, and it actually makes my wife more stressed because I'm talking to the kids that way. And man, she called me on it and I had to, I had to step back and, um, and hear that. And so, um, I'm trying to change this behavior. I'm trying, and what the cue that I'm using, the prompt and the, and the method that I talked about before is to feel myself getting a little bit worked up internally with my anger. Okay. And a funny thing that helps me remember it though, too, is, you know, have you seen Terminator 2? I'm sure you have Terminator 2. I'm sorry to disappoint. Okay. Well, okay. It's an old, it, 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 it is an older movie at this point. For some random reason, I was watching it on HBO. I haven't seen it in years. But in the movie, the kid um, tells the Terminator, because the Terminator's about to like stick up for this kid, and, and he's about to shoot this guy. And the kid goes, no, you can't just shoot people. You know, I don't want you to shoot people. Uh, you, so the Terminator, who's trained to kill, anyway, the point is, so he goes around and like, whenever there's like bad guys or cops, like, the Terminator still shoots, but he doesn't kill people. <laughs> they shoot in the <laughs> leg and stuff like that. So I'm trying to remember that. I'm like, I'm not allowed to kill my kids in this way. I'm not allowed to, like, you know, go for the jugular with regards to stopping their behavior with some rude comment. I have to sort of sit back and no, 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 be a little bit more gentle. I don't know if that's a great metaphor. No, it's actually specific. what you're getting on, which I think is so helpful, is having an anecdote, having a visual, having a reminder that you can yeah. use as a motivator. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's like 
terminator or an analogy sure. or whatever mm -hmm. like we use metaphors mm -hmm. all the time right and like if the terminator mm -hmm. helps you remind yourself to slow down and be kinder that's an easy win and you know what got you know why it works for me because the terminator like in the first terminator was like a really bad guy this guy he like is a good guy in this in this movie or whatever and he's out to protect this young kid and I'm, I'm like, well, I'm trying to protect my young kids. This might sound hokey or corny, but it did work for me. I'm not I'm trying not to be like some terminal, awful, awful dad, you know, that's rude to his children, which I was being at times. And, uh, and so I'm trying to use my prompt of, you know, feeling myself kind of get boiled up in anger or know that when I'm having a conversation with another adult and my kids who naturally want to be up your butt all the time and are constantly interrupting, you know, yep. sort of be prepared for that. I'm, I'm using this adult conversation and I'm prepared for, you know, one of my kids to come in and I'm trying to, so, you know, to use these prompts, uh, to use, the, and I'm definitely motivated to be a good father and not, you know, be mean or whatever, but you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, you haven't said this, but what I'm hearing and what you're saying is if we're trying to think about behavior change and we're trying to think about habit, it does take a fair amount of introspection and mindfulness and kind of like the awareness of what's happening internally and what's happening externally. And so actually anger and when you're going to, when you're going to snap at somebody and be like, Hey, 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 back off. Right. Like you have boiled up, like your anger has boiled up in your body so quickly that you're verbally snapping before you even realize what you're doing. And so catching yourself, and knowing that that is happening, that's going to be part of what helps you be successful at behavior change. You need to know what you are doing that you don't like so you can actually stop doing that or yeah. having that reaction, that response in the same environment. Right. I agree. You have to kind of like try to be in tune with it, the introspection. But I thought you were going to go in a different direction with that. I thought you were going to say, you know, you just think about it, but you actually have to do it too. Like I have to practice this. I have to, I have to be introspective, but I also have to literally try to do something different. And you know what? One thing I did was lower the tone of my volume. Ah, you know, that's good. I lowered the tone, the, 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 the volume of my voice is what I mean. I'm not screaming. I'm not normally screaming. But, sure, sure. You know, I low, I, I, fo I purposely focused on speaking in a lower register and that helped me. But yeah, um, sometimes I think it's helpful to bring up these personal anecdotes. To, to, totally. To I was, I was just about to say that here we are, clinical psychologists. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, here you are, right. you yell at your kids too, yeah. right? Like nobody's right. perfect. We right. all, you know, we're all kind of using this stuff, but the other thing that I would say in that situation, because you brought it up, um, and, you know, I think actually so, you know, you said that this actually came through an argument with your wife, and I think so much good, you know, motivation for behavior change can come from conflict and having the humility to say, hey, I actually do want to work on this. I, I want, you know, I want to grow. I want to not do this. And, you know, even asking your wife, like, if she notices a like situation in your anger rise, like she could give you a look or you could have some sort of signal as a reminder mm -hmm. while you're learning the new behavior, you know, and like accepting mm -hmm. help, I think is huge. Um, you know, I think that that's also really valuable. I agree. Um, okay. So let's see what else we wanted to talk about in greasing the wheels. I feel we talked a little bit about hype game. I think hype game is so important. Um, you know, I think you can see this with like coaches or I think the Peloton, we talked about how the Peloton instructors yeah. are really good at that. I mean, you know, 
if you have somebody standing over you saying, I know you can do it, push right. harder, you're mm -hmm. likely to respond, you yeah. know? And so whoever mm -hmm. your hype person is, whether it's a friend or a coach or a trainer or a Peloton instructor, you may never meet or a therapist mm -hmm. or a family member, whoever, it could be your dog. It, it literally yeah, doesn't right. matter. But sometimes mm -hmm. we have to pull energy from other people to get the wheels turning enough that we're motivated to keep them moving on our own. Sure. And I think that's part of our role, like I said before, about being the hype person, being the cheerleader, you know, using our experience of what we know about this type of therapy and the type of work we do to help motivate that change in our clinical work. Um, Absolutely. And, and like, and of course you also do this with your kids, with your, with your spouse, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I know you can do this. Good luck on your interview today. You got this, you know what I mean? Um, that type of thing. Um, what did we mean by do better, you feel better? I think that's uh, just a that, that was a, uh, a saying of one of my favorite mentors, which is do better before you feel better. If you uh, wait to feel better before right. you do better, you're going to be mm -hmm. waiting a long time. So right. focus on habits and action and behavior change over cognitive or feeling change because right. behavior tends to bring on new feelings. So we want to this do better before we feel better. This is the importance of taking that first step, even if you don't feel like it, you know, even if you don't feel like it, how many, oh my God. Yeah. Another example, there was 10 bags of lime in my garage, uh, uh, three days ago. And I was like, let me do one, you know, I don't want to do this. Let me, let me, let me put one in the spreader and see if I can get it done. Well, they're gone now because I just kept going. You know, I did not feel like doing it, but that's not some magical mystery or some special potion that I drank or whatever. I just did one small thing Jesus and person. it led to momentum that allowed me to carry more through. I, I, I that, that, that happens all the time for me. I quote physics constantly. An object at rest stays at rest. An object at motion stays in motion. Mm. And like, it's just, I think so much about behavioral psychology is about physics. It's just about building and carrying momentum. And it's I easier like to continue than it is to stop and restart. See, I use a metaphor of a train, but I guess we're on the same page with that, aren't we? It's physics. If yeah. the train stops, it's going to take a lot more to get it going yeah. and to oh pick up at the same clip, right? right? So the next time you want to bail on the gym or you want to give in to like, you know, avoidance or an OCD ritual or whatever, just know that if you do that, it's just going to be that much harder to dig yourself out of the hole. Right. So much exactly. easier to keep going. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So physics, hype game. The last thing I'll say about this is um, I, I always think the easiest person for us to disappoint is ourself. Mm. It's so easy for me to rationalize and be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever. So what? Like, so what I had like a, you know, a bad day and I gave in and I didn't, you know, like meet my mm. goals or like I yelled at my kids, whatever. Like we can rationalize it away. We can avoid it. We can kind of be like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But if I let down somebody else and I know that like for you, the example of like you snapping at your kids is not only not who you want to be in the world, but it's also upsetting for your wife and it's upsetting for your kids. That's a really right. good motivation for you to not mm. do that, you right. know, and, um, we can use that as an external motivator to get moving. But I think that the other piece of like really working on habits and growth and change is why don't we be less okay with disappointing ourselves? 
Like I matter, my, my actions matter, my thoughts matter, my behavior matters, you know, right. my commitment to growth, change, excellence, whatever it is, that all matters. And I should treat it like it matters. And I will take the steps that it, that, that requires to do that in small chunks and tiny habits, right? Exactly. Um, okay, cool. So let's actually talk about behavior change and how do we do it? Um, let's give our, some of our best tips and tricks here. We, we rock, we, uh, shouted out the tiny habits book. That's a great one. Atomic habits. There's, you know, there's lots of things that you can read. We talked about the, um, motivator, the prompt, the activity. Um, but let's talk about actually how, how we do it. What are our little tips? Um, I'll tell you some of my favorite ones. I, okay. I was actually just talking to somebody today about like doing their OCD homework and they were like, it's just like hard for me to remember to do it. And so what I always say to that is then, okay, do you take vitamins? If you take vitamins, like do it when you take your vitamins. If you don't take vitamins and you want to take vitamins, like have your vitamins when you're doing something else. Like when you're making your coffee, have your vitamins, right? Like when, if you want to remember to do whatever little habit during the day, pair it with another activity that you know yeah, you're going anchoring. to do. Yes. Anchoring, yeah. Pair it with another activity that you know you're going to do. The other thing, the other tip I would like to say would be um, do it first thing in the morning so that way it's done. And it's not about mm -hmm. like, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. The word later is such mm -hmm. a dirty word because it's just so mm -hmm. much easier to punt. Um, so do it first thing in the morning, pair it with another activity. And then I would also say, think about um, what motivates you. So some people are motivated by like stickers. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of joking about little kids there, but I think like one of the things that Peloton does is every time you, you know, complete a uh, workout, you essentially get like a sticker in your chart. Yeah. You beat a record, yeah. you get a sticker. You do a special class, you get a sticker, right? You, yeah. Some people are motivated by streaks, right? So that kind of setup, if, if, if that's you, get out your calendar and put a gold star in your calendar every time you do the healthy thing, you know, whatever you use that. If you're motivated by other people, um, I used to have a running partner and we would run, you know, at like early in the morning and mm -hmm. we never bailed on each other. I, I think we ran at like six in the morning or something. You didn't want to be the person that stood the other person up at 6am. If they got themselves out of bed, you better be there because I was not going to make her get out of bed in vain for me to stand her up. So like, that's a great motivator. Um, you know, I'd say some fitness classes make you like sign up in advance. So you're committing in advance. And if you bail, you get charged, right? Like that's another great motivator. Use your money sure. as a motivator. So kind of just figuring out what motivates you and then how do you set up for success to that? So there's some ideas off the top. What about you? What are, what are your favorite you yeah. know, tips and tricks about habit making it happen? Tapping, tapping into what you said about um, the, um, the first thing in the morning, the anchoring. I definitely use anchoring a lot. Um, uh, anchor to something you normally do. Uh, I'm trying to use... Uh, the technology that we have to help out with this. Cause if somebody's forgetting, that's a forgivable thing in my world. Well, you forgot. Okay. It's a new thing we're trying to do, right? You didn't have a prompt. Um, like any OCD world, if somebody comes to me, they say they didn't do their homework because they were scared. Well, then that's, that's a thing that we have to work through with regards to a fear avoidance and how that's negatively reinforcing and everything. Um, but, uh, 
but using the alarm on your phone, like setting alarms, using the calendar function. Um, I think that I think those have been really helpful for me to help people remember to do things. And I do it for my own self too. Like I want to change the filter in my air conditioner HVAC unit. So I tell Alexa to remind me in six months to change it. Lo and behold, she remembers and, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go down there and do it. And to be, um, and I think that's fine. I can't remember to do that on my own, you know? And so I want to say another thing too about you talk about stickers and stars and rewards and stuff. There's apps, there's an app called Noom, N-O-O-M for, I think, uh, weight loss. I know that's, that's what it's for. And they claim to use a lot of cognitive behavioral psychology principles in, in their app. And I know that they have this, Weight Watchers has this, where you get stars and stickers and, you know, dings and stuff like that. In fact, the whole premise of the Apple Watch, um, when you wear it, it gives you these rewards, stars, bells, and stuff yeah. like that when you complete a circle or something like, you know, when you do your exercise. So the concept that you described about getting those rewards is motivating. I mean, um, by the very nature that Apple has devoted mm -hmm. hours of money to try to help people use this watch more. Anyway, so th those things are really helpful. Um, I love what you said about the, uh, the, the accountability piece. A lot of times I'll use that in therapy with me that people will send me an email uh, bragging about what they did that gives them the motivation that somebody's cheering for them, that sort of thing. Um, those are all, uh, those are some of the things that I have to say about it, much of what you said. Um, yeah, that's yeah. good. I think um, this is a good segue to talk about, all right, well, what happens if I'm doing good and I miss a day? Well, then you're a total failure. <laughs> that's exactly um, it, right? <laughs> what happens if you're doing good and you miss a day and you get off track? Well, we know that our little monkey brains are going to tell us that it's over. It'll never happen again. You suck. Right. You're incapable. This just proved you can't do it. This, that, and the third. But what would you say to that? I just say that you're not a robot and um, you're not a Terminator. I often use, I guess I'm big with Terminator. You're on now. Terminator. Yeah. yeah. But I say you're not a robot. If you were a robot, then you, then this would be a huge problem. A huge problem in your in your configuration and your programming <laughs> that we need to fix. You go you know all the I mean? way there. I go all the way, and then when when they kind of hear that, they're like, "Yeah, that's true. I'm not a robot." Yeah, so you're you're a human being on Earth that makes mistakes, and I also say progress in therapy or in life with anything is not this linear, linear rocket ship, you know, to the moon. You know what I mean? It goes in this direction. It goes up. It goes down. Hopefully, the trajectory of the points, the scatter plot, is going in this direction. Um, you know, uh, I, I think it's just really important because, you know, if a person, what did I hear? This was some, something that somebody said one time or that I read, if you're looking at people climbing a mountain from a long, long distance away and you see from a long distance that they're climbing up this mountain and they're making steady progress going in the upward direction at any point, that's the perspective of this person. But if you are on the perspective of the person on the mountain, it actually isn't quite like that. When they go up, sometimes they have to go down to get around a stream or a crevice or something like that. And at any point in time, if you ask them what their progress is, if they were going down, they might say, oh, I'm losing or I'm you know, not going in the right direction. But actually, they have to do that to keep going up. And so I think that's an important perspective when you don't get to do the thing, you know, when you quote unquote fail. Yeah. 
Yeah, and BJ Fogg, you mentioned earlier about this in Tiny Habits. He he really cuts through all of the content and is just like, okay, design your plan for success, make it small enough, make it achievable, do it. Like right. your failure is right. not meaningful. The fact you haven't done it yet is not meaningful. You know, the fact it's that not. this is hard for you is not meaningful. None of that is actually meaningful. So if you miss a day, that's actually where I would say undervalue your thoughts. Or if you miss a day or a week or a month or a year and you're coming back, undervalue your thoughts and then just focus on the rebound. I talk about rebounding all the time, but I think it's just such a good analogy in basketball. You lose the ball, you right. miss your shot. If you're going to spend your time thinking about how much you suck that you missed the shot, they've already right. scored. Like you have right. to go get the ball back. That's it. It's not that deep. Right. You know, so right. I think that's another big part about habit is nobody nobody expects anybody to have a straight line forward. It's more about learning how to kind of have that grit and tolerate the fact that you're going to have those setbacks. I think that mountain well, one is good. That's a good analogy. Yeah, and I and I think that's what people think that though. People think if I'm going down, I'm not going up, or if I'm if I didn't do this, I'm failing. And uh, and, that, and to your point about uh, the Tiny Habits book and and what I'm taking from that and what I really like is to divorce the performance of a behavior or the non-performance of a behavior from any thought content or any emotionality because it really means nothing. Um, you know, it's it's not a value judgment on your character. What it is, what we could do is say, well, what what contributed to me performing this behavior or not performing this behavior, and then you can make an adjustment. And I think that's what we need to keep our eye on the, on that ball. Yeah, I think one, you know, slight um, tweak on what you just said of divorcing emotion mm -hmm. and whatever. I think that okay. one barrier that I can see is that sometimes when you don't meet an expectation or a goal, it is objectively disappointing and there is sure. regret and they can't get past the regret and the disappointment. So I think mm. naming regret and disappointment mm. and then rebounding sure. and then managing expectations and then trying again, sure. that can be useful. But I sure. mean, I, I kind of think, you know, the, another one analogy I talk about all the time is like, you're at the end of the diving board. At some point you just have to jump. You can like stand mm -hmm. at the edge and look down for a really long time, but there mm -hmm. has to be a moment where you just say, oh, just jump and, the, and mm -hmm. then you jump. You know, and I think in terms of habit and motivation, behavior change, just jump. That's what Fog is talking about. And if mm -hmm. you miss, then jump again. Right. Do it again. Um, okay. So actually, maybe we should say one more thing about repetition is that, and we know this from working in OCD and really working on behavior change, the more you do it, the easier it gets, the more capable you feel, the more you learn that you can do it, and actually the lower the emotional response. Yep, that's it. All right, cool. Anything else you want to add on uh, habit and behavior change? <laughs> well, then we'll just leave our few listeners in. Um, in suspense. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Uh, good talk, man. See you out there. All right. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Credit to our theme music to my brother, Andrew McLean. Please subscribe, leave a review and tell us what you think. All opinions are our own.